Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. A very good morning. It's me, Danko, on Market View. Now, let's quickly get you up to speed with what's happening in the markets. And Asia-Pacific stocks are trading lower this morning, with Japan trading down by 0.97%. Korea is down by 0.5%. And Australia is down 0.23%. Now, last Friday, we witnessed a broad sell-off on Wall Street as investors began to digest the Federal Rate's recent delivery of its 50 basis points interest rate hike. And they also signaled a higher for longer rates. The Dow Jones fell 0.9% to close off the week at 32,920 points. This also brought its monthly losses to about 4.83%. The S&P 500 dropped 1.1% to finish off at 3,852 points. This brought its monthly declines to 5.58%. And the Nasdaq Composite slumped 0.97% to end of the week at 10,705 points. And it is also down 6.65% this month. Now, the recent negative sentiments that we're witnessing across the indexes are reflective of recession fears as the central bank upped its forecast for future hikes above previous expectations. And they are now saying that it expects to hike its rates to about 5.1%. And for this week, we'll be keeping a close eye out on the latest earnings seasons, which continues with reports from Nike and FedEx on Tuesday. That will be tomorrow. Thank you so much for that, Dan. As ever, looking forward to what the week brings along. Speaking of things brought along, we've got Willie King joining us in the studio. Willie, long time no see. How are you doing? A very good morning, Raushan. A very good morning, Dan. Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, I just came back from my holiday in Taiwan. Uh, Well, love the weather. Okay, it was raining almost every day, Mm. uh, drizzling. But um, I really love it because it's, you know, it's, it's really cooling. Unlike the weather here in Singapore where it's really humid and I love cold weather. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I'm sure that everyone has gotten its uh, their well-deserved break. Roshan has gone to the US recently. Willie has gone to Taiwan and I'll be leaving for Indonesia later this He's week. He's leaving me. Mm, where are you going? <laughs> Indonesia. <laughs> Which part? Lombok. Oh, yeah. nice. So just a short trip. But anyways, let's go back to the markets. And what's caught my attention today is, as usual, the federal rates, interest rate hike of about a half a percentage point, mm. And of course, to its highest level in 15 years. Now, if you remember last Wednesday, the Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rates to the highest in 15 years. And they indicated that the fight against inflation is not over, even despite, you know, promising economic signs. And, you know, keeping up with expectations, the rate setting, voted to boost the overnight borrowing rate by half a percentage points and this takes its targeted range to between 4.25% to about 4.5%. And while this actually broke a string of four straight three-quarter point hikes, it is still the most aggressive policy moves since the early 1980s. Now, Willie, here's a question to think Mm. about. How does it affect us here in Singapore and what does this mean for companies? Yep, good one then. I mean, if you look at interest rates, we, for us, you know, as Singapore investors, we also tend to pay attention to to how um, interest rates have moved, especially in the US, because that sort of sends a ripple effect on the economy here in Singapore and especially for businesses and companies. And one one sector in particular is Singapore REITs, right? Mm. Many people have asked, right, it, will Singapore REITs still struggle, right, where based on the higher interest rates and at the same time, you know, is it still worth investing in Singapore REITs? The thing about Singapore REITs is that many people are concerned um, why REITs, you know, could struggle or, you know, it could really 
sort of trade range bounds primarily primarily because mm. Singapore REITs are a leveraged play. You know, they they borrow money from the banks and then they invest in higher yielding assets um, in, in in properties. So as interest rates go up, the borrowing cost for this Singapore REITs would also go up. That's why you know if you see. On a year-to-date basis, um, the general Singapore REIT index have sort of actually came down, right? At least more than 10%. Mm. Um, and that's really the concern, right? Will some of these REITs um, sort of fare, continue to fare well or will they struggle? And for me, I really think that it really depends on the Singapore REITs because, you you know, you have more than you know, 40 over uh, REITs and business trusts in Singapore. And each of them, you know, not all REITs are the same, right? Some REITs have a much higher gearing or they, 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 they borrow much more from the banks. Um, some have a much higher quality property assets where they're able to raise rent in in spite of the rising rate mm. environment. Mm. So it really all boils down, right, to some of these REITs. A few things which I will pay attention to. Number one is uh, when are some of their refinancing uh, schedules like or what? Many people tend to call it the debt maturity ladder. So mm. that means if you see for one read when some of these debt will actually come due, right? So for the reads where for 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 reads where most of their debt which they have to refinance this year or even next year or at least over the next 18 months they could actually uh, get impacted by higher rates because that's where you know interest rate right now is close to the peak or at least where um, the Fed is forecasting mm. so that's one another thing is also looking at the existing borrowing cost that means will some have some of these reads sort of hedge themselves right by exchanging the rate which they pay on their debt for a fixed rate. So a lot of these borrowings which the REITs make, they tend to be on a floating rate uh, mechanism. What this means is that if interest rates go go up, they pay more interest. If interest rates go down, they pay less interest. But many of these REITs, what they do is that they basically protect themselves from this sort of up and down movement of interest rates by swapping their floating rate payment for a fixed rate payment. So mm. whether interest rates go up or go down, you know, they still pay a fixed rate. So you also want to see whether some of these REITs, you know, they have actually made this kind of swap agreements, right? right. Um, mm. So many REITs which I see have, for example, like like um, your CICT, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust, you know, they have most of their interest, you know, being fixed interest rates. So even if interest rates go up, they still pay the same amount. Uh, if interest rates go down, you know, they still pay that exact same amount, right? Mm. Um, so that's one, that's another which I will see. And of course, lastly, also one important one where I'll talk, where we are looking at for Singapore REITs is the ability to actually grow their rent mm. in these times, right? So what are some of the REITs, you know, if you look out there where they're able to actually grow the rent, you know, when the rent comes due or when they're renewing some of this rent. So mm. this is one thing which they pay attention to. So if even though interest rates go up, their borrowing costs go up. But if you're looking at REITs, which are able to actually grow the the rent or the distribution, you know that's something which is uh, worth looking at. Right. And thank you for that, Willie. And yes, you know, even DBS have stepped up to say that REITs offer resiliency given their attractive and growing distribution yields as investors are turning defensive. Now, here's a question to think about, Willie. How sustainable do you think these distribution yields will be, especially, you know, when things improve? Will they be able to sustain the high dividend yield that they'll be giving to investors as well? Where do you see the dividend numbers going? Mm, I think that's a very good point then. I mean, I know the day, right, as 
investors, we want to what we want to be looking at is consistency and sustainability. So we don't want to actually be looking at REITs where they increase the distribution for just one particular period and then they're not able to actually sustain it. And mm. then you can see that dropping. So that actually, you can actually see that in some of the weaker performing REITs. But in this case, right, you want to be looking at REITs where their rent agreement are actually packed, for example, packed to inflation, right? So as inflation goes up, their rent also goes up. So that is actually one form of sustainability. Right. Um, another one is also looking at the quality of the properties which they have. Typically for REITs where they have very strong where they own high-quality assets, these high-quality assets, they are able to actually command what you call pricing power, right? So they're able to actually indefinitely increase the rent for these tenants, right? Because some, some of these properties, you know, let's say for retail, for a retail mall in, say, in Orchard Road or in the suburban areas of Singapore where they're located in the prime locations, you know, there will always be a long queue of tenants waiting to take up leases in some of these retail assets. And with that, right, um, lease managers or REITs have that pricing power to actually raise the rent if, let's say, they're they are, they are looking to renew rents or they're looking to change the tenants. So mm. that's one thing which um, I'll be looking out for, you know, okay. when it comes to sustainability of your distribution. As ever, that's why we love having the Dividend Titan <laughs> on the show. He leaves no stone unturned in his analysis. Now let's turn our attention now to the laying off scene over in the US and it it looks like we're seeing Goldman Sachs making plans to cut thousands of staff at the start of next year. Dan, what can you tell us about the rationale behind this decision and can we expect other firms to follow suit? Yes, as you rightly mentioned, the investment bank plans on cutting up to 8% of its employees as of next year. That would be in January and it translates to about 4,000 jobs. So the layoffs would impact almost every division of the bank and as mentioned earlier, it would likely happen in January. So a rough start to the new year and it will also be ahead of the upcoming conference for Goldman shareholders in which management is expected to present performance targets. And top managers have been asked to identify you know, potential cost reduction targets with no final job cut number being determined as of now. Now, the bank's workforce have surpassed about 49,000 this year in its third quarter and that's up 34% since the end of 2018. And you know, headcount at the Wall Street giant has surged in recent years as CEO David Solomon completed acquisitions to build a more diversified company. But as you can see, this also became a bit of a problem for them. Now, you know, we are seeing a lot of recession fears and mm. people cutting back on spending. So, yes, a costly expansion into the consumer banking has left the unit with deep losses, even amid a slowdown in business environment for deal-making and slumping asset prices. So, yes, Goldman Sachs, if you remember back in September, they were the first company to review the first major job cuts. Mm. And that was a relatively shallow cut, you know, that only impacted about a few hundred employees. So this is a huge step for them. And that was also followed, you know, similarly by Citigroup and Barclays. And even though Morgan Stanley also cut about 1,600 workers yep. as of last week. Mm. But this move by Goldman Sachs is definitely by far the deepest cuts you know, on Wall Street so far. And this is something that investments, investors will be watching very closely on. And this also brings across a question for me to Willie. Mm. How does this cut translate to what the economic environment is like and what can we expect from next year? Mm. I think for Goldman Sachs, right, I think, I mean, the primary reason why they're actually doing a cut, I mean, they, they are looking at a much tougher environment, especially in the financial institutions uh, side. Because if you see, as rates go up, you know, there are recession fears, which trickle, which, which trickle down to a lot of this, what you call market volatility, you know, where the market keeps, you know, sometimes it goes up, sometimes it goes down. Mm. Um, but more importantly, because if you see Goldman Sachs as a, 
uh, major investment bank, you know, they mm. don't just do consumer banking, but a large part of their business is also in your deal making, right? So that means uh, helping companies do merger and acquisitions, bringing companies uh, into the public market to get publicly listed. And all these are really, you have to, it, it has to be driven by a very strong market. But right now, you know, with this sort of market jittery, Mm. it sends a message to some of these investment banks like Goldman Sachs to actually cut down or pull back um, some of these deal volumes or deal transactions. Mm. And you can see you know, how the CEO, David Solomon, he is all also looking, you know, going forward, you know, he's thinking that some of this deal making would sort of start to slow down mm. you know, in the coming months. That's why, you know, you see how Goldman Sachs, they are also starting to reduce um, this headcount. Right. But you know what's the, 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 the interesting thing here? And one thing which I, I also ask myself, right, is, is it necessary here to do the headcounts? Because on one hand, um, you're looking at a pullback in some of these um, banking units. But on the other hand, Goldman Sachs, like all like any other big financial institutions, you know, they generate billions and billions of dollars in revenues and they're highly profitable. Mm. Right? Even though they're, they're cutting, say, you know, 4,000 people, it isn't really amounting much to a huge cost in their PNL. So that's the mm. thing which you know I ask myself sometimes, right? Is the question here, is it necessary to do the cut? Mm. And at the same time, you know, banks are really driven, you know, by human capital. You know, unlike manufacturing companies where you build factories to produce products, banks you are relying on human capital like mm. yourself, myself, yeah. you know, to to create deals, to build mm. relationship. Mm. And cutting down this employees could be also a self-fulfilling prophecy to lower the profits of some of these banks. Mm. Yes, it's also worth noting as well that perhaps this is for bonuses for the employees that are still staying in the company because <laughs> yeah possibly yeah they typically pay bonuses in January and it's possible that the layoffs could be a way mm. to preserve bonus dollars for remaining employees quite possibly yep so that's uh, something that we'll be watching closely too as well yep certainly something we'll be keeping an eye out on speaking of keeping eye on things let's talk about Elon Musk now here's a question to think about should he step down as head of the social media site that's a question he asked on Twitter to his legion of followers and he says he's going to follow through on the results of that poll Dan first things first what are your thoughts on Elon on once again making the news hmm I don't think any one of us can catch a break from him <laughs> but I do think in my personal opinion that he should perhaps consider stepping down mm. given the fact that there's been a lot of people raising you know um, not just investors alone but you know uh, from his executives as well raising issues about the fact that he's paying too much attention to Twitter and Tesla especially has just reported that it's it's losing a lot of sales especially over in China and in US so yes as you rightly mentioned earlier Elon Musk is you know under fire for recent policy changes at Twitter and also asked the users to vote on whether he should step down as the head of the social media site and he will abide by the results of the poll which he pledged earlier today mm. and also said that going forward he would hold votes on major policy changes and yeah, it's like what I've mentioned earlier. Since his takeover of Twitter, Musk have, has faced criticism of several of the changes that he's made in the company, including firing more than half of its staffs and allowing back previously barred users as well. So a lot of things that we've talked about on the show about Elon Musk have been mm. quite questionable and no one really knows what he's thinking. Yeah. Do you know anything about what he's thinking, Willie? Really? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, Willie really knows at... a lot of things, but <laughs> probably not what Elon is thinking. I think it's very difficult, you know, to get into the minds of uh, people sometimes because you never know what you know these guys are, are 
are really looking out for, right? Mm. I mean, like for a person like Elon Musk, you know, he has his hands dipped into many different things, mm-hmm. right? From going, from building cars to going into outer space, right? To bring spaceships and, and, and all that. And now going into social platforms. And, you know, I've got to agree with you, Dan, you know, in, in, in some ways, it's very hard for um, CEOs or managers, you know, to you know, diversify or spread their time into multiple things, especially, yeah. right, if you are in a business where it's a very highly competitive environment. You know, yeah. I'm, mm. I'm talking about cars, right, car making, right? You know, you, you don't just have Tesla making electric vehicles, but you also have other car makers coming into the scene to make their EVs as well. So if you're putting your time on other places and not focusing the attention mm. on the core business of what you're doing, then, you know, eventually what's going to happen, you know, to the competition around around you. So that's a question which I ask myself um, as well. Mm, yes, certainly something that we have to look forward to. What about you, Roshan? I, as a newsmaker, I don't want him to leave Twitter because he's the gift that keeps on giving. Every day we get to talk about something. But I can understand both your points about almost him biting off more than he can chew. Mm. So now he's got his hand in too many pies and he needs to focus. We've talked all last week long about Tesla shares and how they are on the low and there'll be investors there who are putting pressure on Elon. So it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out. As Mm -hmm. ever, Money FM 89.3 will keep you up to date on Elon Musk's employment status. Now, if you're just joining us, Monday morning, Market View with Willie King and Dan Co. And we're going to switch our attention to Singapore back home. We're currently about 25 minutes into the local trading day. And last week, the Straits Times Index closed by 1.01% to end at 3,000 240 points. Dan, how is the STI performing today? Yes, as you rightly mentioned as well, the Straits Times Index closed lower last week. This comes news after the Federal Reserve increased their rates by 50 basis points. But unlike the rest of the region, it looks like there are some positive sentiments over in Singapore where we are seeing the Straits Times Index up by 0.86% at 3,268 points. Okay, so now it's time to wrap this segment up. But not before I let you all go, we're going to play my favourite game, Up or Down. And if you're a regular on this show, you'd be familiar with this game. The fun part today is we've got Willie playing along as well. <laughs> so I'll be picking a stock or a topic and you'll be guessing whether it's an up or down stock. Dan and Willie, are you ready? Let's yeah. go. Let's go. All right, <laughs> listeners, are you ready? Here comes a number one, Keppel. Keppel, I'm going to go with an up for this one because the subsidiaries are joining jointly acquiring a 15-story office tower in Seoul at a purchase price of about $228 million. So this looks like a great opportunity for them to expand into Korea's market as well. So I'm going to go with an up. Yep, it's you? an up for me as well. I mean, this this is this is a decent acquisition for Capital Corp. And, you know, the interesting thing about Capital Corp here, right, you know, one of their largest revenue drivers is in the utilities and energy company, you know, also building infrastructure and, um, you know, providing, you know, utilities, power, you know, not just in Singapore, but in other countries as well. But at the same time, actually, what differentiates Capital Corp from many other utilities utilities players? Also, they also have their own um, investment business, which is Capital Capital, and that's where their mo- their, their profit margins uh, really resides in. And Capital Corp buying this office tower, you know, it's really a a, a big uh, drive in the business segment of their cap- capital business segment. So mm. this is definitely an up for me. Okay, off to a positive start. Both of you saying Keppel on the up. Let's move on to number two, Singpost. Willie, why don't you go first? 
Okay, so the group has announced that it has raised postage package and their parcel delivery rates, mm. right? So um, this this is aside from the GST hikes announcement um, by the government in February this year. So it has also cited exceptional inflationary cost increases across the manpower, fuel, and electricity. So this is kind of like um, good news for me. So previously, you know, I would be a down for Singpost, but in this particular case, the news, it is an up for me. Hmm. Singapore's, I'm going to go slightly different here. Singapore, Singapore's is going to be a down for me wow. because as much as, you know, they mentioned that it will be raising postage package as well as doorstep parcel delivery, it also comes against the backdrop of, you know, their weakening revenue that was reported sometime last week. So the segment saw about a 19.6% decline year on year to more than $260 million for its half year ended of, on September okay. 30th. And mm. this was in part due to a dip in volume of domestic letters and parcels as well as major customers who have insourced their logistics. And we talked about this before. <laughs> How do you receive your meals these days? Mm. Mm. We're all about sustainability efforts, right? So I don't know. I wrote a few letters to you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's very sweet. <laughs> but yes, um, this, will be, this would be a down for me as of now. Mm. Okay. 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 Good to see both our panelists disagree. That does make things slightly interesting. Third and final one, Hong Leong Asia. Dan, you go first. Hong Leong Asia. This one's going to be a down for me as well because Guangxi Yuchai Machinery Company, that's a unit of Hong Leong Asia, they have been removed from the unverified list of the US Department of Commerce. Okay. For me, I'm going to take a slightly different tone here then. I'm going to go with up. Um, and the reason why, because Hong Leong Asia, you know, to me, it's a pretty stable uh, financial institution. So despite um, what China Yichai International, one of its unit, you know, it has been, like what you said then, it has been removed from the unverified list of the US Department of Commerce. But, you know, I guess business um, should still continue to operate as per normal. And Hong Leong Asia, you know, in my radar, it is considered a pretty decent mm. dividend payer, right? So, um, very sleepy financial institution, very sleepy financial company, but you know it has been paying out um, very recurring income, which is something which I, I like. So, and up for me. <laughs> All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Dan Co, Willie King on with us on Market View. Now, listeners, I hope you enjoyed that thorough look and kickstart to the week for Market View. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.